Good morning. I wore my Colts jersey because I thought half my congregation was going to wear their jersey today. Thanks for leaving me hanging. Well, we do got some Steelers over here. And Allie is my girl. She's wearing the Peyton Manning jersey. And we did not even call each other last night either. That is so cool. And a shirt. That counts. Thank you. Um, hey, I'm excited to be here this morning. Hopefully you're excited to be here. And we welcome all that uh, is the first time here. I'm um, Pastor Brandon. Nice to meet you. Hopefully I get the chance to talk to you at the park. We uh, go there afterwards to to have fun and uh, to eat some good food. Who's, who's our cooks for today? Raise your hand. He's got some cooks. Nobody's cooking, yeah? I, I told you last week I make grilled cheese, frozen pizza, and what was the last thing? Tacos. That's right, tacos. Thank you. So I will not be cooking today. Great. Well, hey, we're in our third week of our, in our prayer series here, praying for a breakthrough. And hopefully you've had some breakthrough in your, in your life lately. Hopefully your prayer life is, is uh, beyond the humdrum prayer life that you've had before, and you're able to break through that and be able to understand that prayer is simply a relationship with God. And as you build on that, you understand that you are talking to someone that can communicate back to you. And it's not that we just uh, are, are throwing words aimlessly in the air, but we actually... Um, have a father, a creator, a friend who can relate to us. And so in this uh, third week here, I want to talk about a, another aspect of prayer that's so critically important to break through prayer. And I'll start by, um, um, by reading this verse in Psalm 62, verse 1. In the New American Standard Bible, David says this, My soul waits in silence for God only. Silence can be a very powerful tool, or it can be a very paralyzing, uncomfortable reality. A couple weeks ago, I was, um, on Wednesdays, I, I typically study in a coffee shop somewhere in Greensboro, and a couple weeks ago, I was in Starbucks, and I was in line, and I was actually ordering something other than um, hot chocolate. Thank you very much. I've improved since last time. And so I'm, sit- so I'm standing in line, and, and there's a lot of people there about midday, and all of a sudden, the power just goes out. And this is Starbucks, okay? Things don't happen like that at Starbucks. The power goes completely out, and all of a sudden, there's like five seconds of silence. And then everyone looks at the two behind the counter, and the poor girl, with, looking scared in her eyes, says, I don't even know what to do. It was so awkward. It was so uncomfortable, and everybody's like, what do we do? We can't even make, we can't make coffee. We can't, what do we do? You know, the star, it doesn't happen to Starbucks. What's going on here? The power was completely out. And I think mo- many of us are very uncomfortable with silence. Uh, it's natural for us to want to talk or to be surrounded by noise at all times. How many of you students in here actually uh, love having noise around you while you're studying? Very many of you do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is this, many of us are very uncomfortable with silence. When we take away the noise, the vulnerability increases, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? But does, my question is, does more communication necessarily mean better communication? Uh, just ask the teacher or the parent who's dealing with a child who won't stop talking. 
and continually gets in trouble. I think the parents created a game centuries ago called the silent game. You remember this game? The first one to talk loses. All right, so all the kids stay silent. Why did the parents and the teachers come up with that stuff? Because they want you to talk, all right? You've talked enough. But what, what would happen if, if you were to talk to that, to that child that keeps getting in trouble by talking so much? What if you were to give them this advice? Oh, just communicate more. Just communicate more with us so that we'll understand you better. That would be crazy to, to, to give advice like that. And I think sometimes in our prayer life we do this too. Just talk more to God. Oh, a matter of fact, just say a long prayer. Because you know what? God listens to long prayers. The longer prayer it is, the, the more God's going to hear you. You ever think about, does that, kind of enter, does that kind of enter your mind even when you're in your prayer life? Like if I just talk longer to God, he knows I'm serious today, so I'm, he will hear me. And so if I repeat it enough times, that will happen. But remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus. In nine words, that's five. In nine words, Jesus, or, or this, this man said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And how did Jesus answer him? I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. This guy took nine words to speak to Jesus. Nine words. So, so that can't be it. So, so what's our problem and how can we experience more breakthroughs in our prayer life? That's one word, listening. I'll say it again. I don't know if you heard me. Listening, all right? Just listening, listening to God. Andrew Murray once said, prayer is not monologue but dialogue. God's voice is his most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. This past week represented the eight-year anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attack. And as I watched the uh, past footage of the horrific event, uh, memories came flooding back to that, to that time in 2001. And uh, out, of that, um, out of those horrific events also came stories of hope and, and, and stories that, that were positive. Um, such stories included a man by the name of Bob Appleby. And I don't know if you remember who he was, but during the 9-11 recovery efforts, Bob left Connecticut and arrived at the site where the Twin Towers used to be. And so as a chaplain, he wanted to help out in any way he could. So he was told by the, the head chaplain there to go to the zone, stand there, and God will tell you what to do. And so during the next 14 and a half hours, Bob Appleby stood in one spot and prayed for any worker that was coming in and out of the mess trying to, to help with this relief, whether it was a policeman, a fireman, a construction worker, whoever it may be. He stood there and he prayed for them, anyone that wanted prayer. Fourteen and a half hours, the last three hours were in a downpour of rain. And he still stood there. A secret service man approached him because he was amazed by Bob's commitment. And he asked, who are you? And he said, oh, I'm Bob Appleby. I'm a pastor. And I'm here, I'm here to serve you. You see, Bob had learned that after eight years in the Marine Corps, that one of his general orders was to quit his post only after properly relieved. And so he took that command seriously and stood in one spot until told otherwise. And he prayed for many people that were hurting that day. Go to the zone. Stand there and wait for God to tell you what to do. Would you be able to take those orders at heart? Are you willing to stay in the presence of God 
until he speaks to you, no matter how long it takes? Well, getting back to our text today in Psalm 62, David is facing one of uh, some major issues in his life, and he is in need of a breakthrough. Matter of fact, if God does not intervene, it's all over for David. So in Psalm 62, how does he respond? He says, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He is, more, he is only my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be greatly shaken. And he repeats that in, in verses 5 and 6 as well. And going on verse 3, uh, it makes sense because what, what is happening in David's life, you can read about this in Second Samuel chapter 15 uh, through chapter 20, is that there's some people that want to overthrow him as a king. As a matter of fact, these, these people that had tried to overthrow him, that were trying to overthrow him, um, were wanting to be kings themselves. And so they gathered up people that would, that would take their side. And all of a sudden, David was on the run. His life was in jeopardy. And this is how he responds. I'm going to wait in silence for God. In verses 3 through 4, he describes his situation. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning fence, this tottering fence, or this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They will take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. They called him a leaning wall, a tottering fence. See, his enemies thought he was weak and vulnerable, a pushover. And David did not want to be a pushover. Instead, he decided to rely on God, to wait in silence for God. I think none of us in here want to be a pushover, do we? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 14 through 15, that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will be in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And we don't want to be tossed back and forth. We want to be rooted in God. And David was doing exactly that. Even though they may have described him as a tottering fence, as a leaning wall, he was not going to be that. As a matter of fact, he um, instructs the believers, the saints, in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. We see the maturity of David. And then he reminds the people in verse 11 and 12, One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Describing God as strong and loving. So what David knew and what we need to understand today is this, is that the power of silence comes not from the absence of words, but from the presence of God. In that silence is, is where we really get the power from God. Is that where, where God is, is our stronghold, our rock, as he describes in, in, uh, in this psalm here, as someone that is our shelter from harm, is our shelter from, from danger, that one that can lead us and guide us. It's the power of the presence of God. So as this week, as I was as pre- preparing for this message, I wrote down three questions I thought um, most of us, would like to have answered about this um, type of prayer life. And one of those is, what happens in the silence? If I sit silent before God, what happens in this silence? Well, one thing is, 
God begins to deal with your heart. And this may be a lot of reason why we don't come to God in silence, why we chatter all the time and why God never gets a word in. Mainly because we know that God's going to deal with us. God deals with our heart in that moment. Starts to convict us of what, um, what sinful attitudes or habits in our life that we have at that time. If it's an unforgiveness towards someone, if it's the way that we responded to our kids earlier that afternoon, whatever it may have been, God starts to deal with the heart. And what else happens in the silence? We're actually drawn to him more intimately through faith over feeling. So many times um, you've ever been in the presence of God and you really feel that he is there. And you feel, you know what I'm talking about, like that goosebump feeling like, wow, man, God is incredible. I just sense his presence right now and I know he's there. But there's other times where we think that God is absent and that he's not there and we can't feel his presence. Even though we know what the word says, that he is still there. But if you can conquer that with faith over feeling, you're going to come a long way because there's times where God will test you as well. Do you really believe I'm here even though you can't sense my presence? It's the faith over feeling. And when we become like that, we start to become more mature in our, in, our, um, in our walk with Him. Another thing that happens in the silence is that He pours out His love and His grace upon us. He sees that we want to come to Him. We just want to be with Him. Remember, it's a relationship. It's not this duty thing. It's not that we should say our prayers. Say our prayers. No, it's a relationship. He wants to come and He wants to, us to talk to Him and He wants to talk to us. It's a dialogue. It's a relationship. And so He pours out His love and His grace in those moments as well. Well, how does God speak today? We know how he spoke in the, in the Old Testament, right? Sometimes directly uh, uh, to men by where they would hear his voice. Uh, they would speak through prophets, so the prophets would bring his word. Today, God speaks through his word. It is called the word of God. So anytime you want to hear from God, you can simply open up his word. Isn't that amazing? That you can hear from God every single day if you just open up his word. If you just crack it open and you start to learn about uh, the stories of, of, of men and women who have messed up, all right, it's not a bunch of perfect people in here, right? If you've ever read this, it's all about people making mistakes and drawing closer to God from those mistakes and some others going even further away, but for us to learn from that. And then there's, there's words of encouragement, there's words of commands, there's words of, of hope in there. There's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about Jesus, getting to know our Savior, our God, even more. I mean, it's incredible, just cracking open God's Word. How else does God speak today? It's what I would call heart promptings. God speaks to the heart as well. And God will speak to your heart. And, um, and when God speaks, how do I know it's Him? I think this is a big question for everyone, right? We always wonder, well, is it really God speaking to me? Or is it just something else? Is it, is it uh, uh, another type of influence that, that, is it just my own voice? What is, what is, how does God speak? You know, how do I know it's Him? Well, throughout scriptures, it's, it becomes clear, especially in John 10, 27, that Jesus even says, my sheep, as He's comparing Himself as the shepherd 
to the sheep and us being the sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And this is talking about believers here too. Because those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit. And so he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, a sheep, all right, let's talk about sheep for a moment. If a sheep has, has, a, has a shepherd that is not the normal shepherd with them and they hear its voice, they're going to be very confused. As a matter of fact, they probably won't follow him because they don't know his voice. But Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice. You see, the more you spend time with God, the more you're going to understand and, and, and be able to, um, to understand his voice more clearly than from other voices that you may be thinking that possibly could be his as well. And so you may, well, that, that's confusing. Is there more of a clear answer? I mean, that's, that's about as best as I can give you right there because, because as you continue to, to spend more time with God, it's going to become more clear, guaranteed. You're going to hear more from God. It's like, well, do I hear an audible voice from God? Hey, I don't know. God, you know, God could speak that way if he chooses to, but I don't know if he does that as much today as he would. But the thing is, he may just use your own voice. But you have to be careful at the same time because uh, we know that many people have mis misrepresented God in the past and saying, I've heard from God and we're going to do this and we see how cults get started and everything else. But those people are not truly close to God. You have to understand that. And because uh, the, the people that are truly close to God are close to his son, Jesus Christ. Anybody can say they're close to God. But now it makes me wonder today, what God are you talking about? Because everyone comes up with these types of gods that are not truly gods. There is only one true God. But the way to test that is through his son, Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ, his son. He is the mediator between us and God. And so if you have that relationship with Christ, you have that relationship with God. They are one. Now, if we were to model a prayer life after David and wait in silence for the Lord, where do we begin? Because a lot of times it can be awkward, isn't it? Just like the, the story of Starbucks, it can be awkward in silence. Just like if you're on a first date. You remember back to your first dates, okay? And you have this string of questions in the back of your mind, just in case there's an awkward pause in the conversation. You know that moment when you're looking at each other like, what should I say next? Oh no, I forgot my questions. And then there's awkward silence, you know, and compare that then to the, the couple that is madly in love and that can actually just sit right next, and you may be sitting right next to your partner right now that you are madly in love with, and you can just sit there and have your arm around them, and you know what? They know without a doubt you love them. And it's not awkward at all. Matter of fact, it's awesome. Like, I see you guys squeezing each other over here. This is wonderful. I could just see the love. And my arm is extending to my wife right now as well. It goes from awkward to awesome silence. You want to move from that, from awkward to awesome silence. Because many times when we're in prayer and, and we're, we're silent before we're God, uh, uh, many times in the very beginning it can be very awkward. We're like, okay, is he supposed to be speaking to me? Or, you know, all of a sudden I start thinking of my to-do list. Oh, no, what, I sh what should I do? Am I being a bad Christian? How long should I stay here? Should I be here for an hour? Should I be here for uh, five minutes? How long's too long? How short's too short? What do I do? And so being in that presence of God, we just want to move from awkward to awesome. All right? And the thing is this. 
we can understand more of David's prayer life by looking at the next chapter, verse 1. It's incredible. Why don't you just um, think about this? Is this an awkward relationship or an awesome relationship after reading verse 1? O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You think that's awkward or awesome? Pretty awesome, isn't it? He longs for God like water. I mean, like in a desert, like I need to be with my God. I'd say that's pretty awesome. And so David is able to wait in silence for God because it's not awkward anymore. And if you can move to that, um, that place in your life, you're going to see some major breakthroughs in your life in your area, in the, and in the area of prayer. So two things to help you put this into action is what we would call reflection and connection. First of all is to reflect on God's greatness and his word. David says in Psalm 19, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So he meditated on God's greatness and everything else. He, 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 can, he can do that in the, in the, in the quietness, um, in, the, in the presence of God. And then Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful as that was given to Joshua there. So we can meditate on the Word of God and allow that to enter into our prayer time where we are able to just think about God's promises, think, think about God's Word and, and how that relates to our life and what we're going through at that moment or, or what God's telling us to, to do and, and, and to be obedient to, to reflect on, his, on God's greatness and His Word. And the next thing is to connect with God on a deeper level. Man, do we ever need to connect with God on a deeper level. And one of the things we can do is align ourselves with His will, the alignment. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. What does it mean by, by saying to pray in the Spirit? Well, it simply means that you're yielding yourself to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit that God has given you. And so that when you enter into the time of prayer, and it's not like an on and off switch, by the way, because you, you're either walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. I mean, we want, the more we walk in the Spirit, the more we come in tune with the Spirit. And so that as we're doing that, then when we enter in our prayer time, if we're in that time of silence with God, He's going to lead us into knowing what we should pray for or how we should pray. And we talked about we do have the Lord's Prayer, which will guide our prayer life. Those times also when you are um, silent before God, and have you ever been in that moment, in that time, where you just don't even know what to pray? You're going through something that is just horrible. Something that, is just, that has just been so stressful lately. Something that is just beyond your capabilities of solving it. And sometimes you don't even know what to pray. That can be a good thing, too. And when you're in that time of prayer with God, to simply yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, saying, how do I pray? I don't even know what to pray for. How do I pray? And he will lead you. He's faithful. And then the next thing is, is that we would protect ourselves from harming ourselves or others. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
See, as we're able to, to lay out a request before God and things like that and, and everything that we're going through, we can wait in silence. And during that silence, God will bring his peace upon you because he knows that you are his child. He looks at you as his child, his friend, the one he redeemed. He's got his best interest for you. He has a plan for you. And so as you do that, the peace of God will just invade your life. And that's the incredible thing about reflecting and connecting with God. And when it comes to our prayer life, we can fall into two categories, one of two categories that reflect the 9-11 model. Uh, you remember after that dreadful day that 9-11 um, um, kind of adopted this motto. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But it says that all gave some and some gave all. What does God deserve from you this morning? He deserves our all, doesn't he? But the question is, what will you give him? What will you give him? So we're going to put this into practice this morning. As we go into prayer, we're just going to simply be silent before the Lord. We're going to ask Him just basically deal with our hearts, draw closer to Him, experience His love and His grace being poured out to you. So if you would just bow your heads at this time, close your eyes. Let's just be silent before the Lord. And then I'll close. In Jesus' name, amen.